Bible app or a note-taking app. So please open your Bibles to Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32, and go ahead and place your bulletin here as we start to dive into today's, to today's scripture. This will also be on the PowerPoint slide in front of you. We'll have other scripture as well, but we're going to spend most of our time here. As we talk about in with the new, a new year you. And last week we opened up with out with the old. Well, naturally, what comes after out with the old, in with the new. So we're in this new series, Jesus and Your Future. And as we talk about the future, we need to look about what does the future include? What does the future look like? Now, obviously, we know that the only true way to a future is a future with Jesus, a future with God, and looking out for the future that he wants for our life. Last week, we focused on Romans 8, 6 through 11, as we talked about the old self and why we should get rid of the old self. Today, we're going to focus a lot more on the new self. And what does a new life look like as we continue this series in Jesus and your future? And we look to a vision of a new year, a vision of a new year where we're not in control of our future, but God is. So before we go any further, let's go and read God's word this morning. And if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. And we'll have it in front of you on the PowerPoint slide as well. Thank you. You can consider this just a stretch to wake yourself up. I know I need that sometimes. All right, as we read from Ephesians chapter 4, starting at 17 through 32, we read this. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous, and have given themselves up to the sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, as is good for building up. as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You may be seated. As you're sitting down, I'm going to actually play a little video for you, and 
I just ask that you pay attention to the words, pay attention to the lyrics to the song. You're welcome to close your eyes if you feel it would help you to focus better on the words, because it's not about the video, what's on the screen, it's about what they're saying. And for some of you, it may be a stretch, a different type of music for you, but I ask that you put that aside and just listen to the words as we talk about it a little bit afterwards. So, Nick, if you would, please push the next slide. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall that they're climbing. You can carry the past on your shoulders. You can start over regrets, no matter what you've gone through, Jesus. He gave it all to save you. He carried the cross on his shoulders, so you can start over. Don't let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid To the broken hearted, their wishes paid Never been born, never been torn, never sinned, never disobeyed I know you think there's no hope, no, but that ain't true Jesus saved I know you feel a regret, like I brought this all on myself Like I messed it up big time and this time I don't deserve God's help Thinking, how can God forgive me? After knowing what I did, Kenny. After knowing that I hid from him and I stayed away and backslid. Listen, Jesus came for the sick. So true. Jesus came for the weak. Amen. Jesus came to give good news and to set the captives free. Amen. Listen, Jesus came for the poor. Amen. Jesus came with the keys. Amen. Jesus came to remove the chains so on the prisoners. Everybody's got a
Thank you. So as I said, that may have been a little bit of a stretch for you, a different type of music for some of you. You'll find that I'm a guy that likes a lot of different types of music, not just, uh, not just the general contemporary Christian music, but also the older hymns. I love the hymns. I like rap and hip-hop. I like rock and metal, too. I like it all. But I was listening to this song this week, and I just wanted to read a few of the lyrics to you, a few of the words to it, because of how meaningful it is. So I wrote a few of them here. You can follow along. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall that they're climbing. You can carry the past on your shoulders, or you can start over. Regrets, no matter what you've gone through, Jesus, he gave it all to save you. He carried the cross on his shoulders, so you can start over. Let me go ahead and continue to read here from my notes. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. To the brokenhearted that wished that they'd never been born, never been torn, never sinned, never disobeyed. I know you think there's no hope, but that ain't true. Jesus saves. I know you're feeling regret, like I brought this all on myself, like I messed it up big time. And this time, I don't deserve God's help. Thinking, how can God forgive me after knowing what I did? Can he? After knowing that I hid from him and I stayed away and backslid. Listen, Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the weak. Jesus came to give good news and have set the captives free. Jesus came for the poor. Jesus came with the keys. Jesus came to remove the chains so prisoners are released. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall they're climbing. Let me skip forward here to the next verse. See, his love is deeper than the ocean floor. Run to his arms like an open door. God the Father sent the, the Son so men can come and be free and ain't got to run no more. And again, I just want to end with this thought. Everybody's got a blank page, a story they're writing today, a wall that they're climbing. So last week I challenged you at the end of the service to be thinking about your life, to be looking over Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 32, as you think through what does your life look like, comparing your life to the life that we read in the Bible and how we should be living, and does your life replicate that example? All week I found myself looking for examples of the new life versus the old. And I found myself thinking over this concept of what does it all really mean? So we come to this point. The first point that I have, as I discovered this, and we've been working through this, is in with the new, a new year you starts with Christ. And that's a couple slides forward there, Nick. In with the new, a new year you starts with Christ. It is through Christ that life is found, and only through Christ. We are all sinners. I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on this one section because we're going to be talking about that throughout the sermon today. And that's what we've been working through the past couple weeks. But I do believe that every sermon, every message that we ever have should start with and end with Jesus. And that's where true life begins. That's where we find new life. In with the new, a new year you starts with Christ. Now I know you... You've already covered this. We've already talked about this. But it's just so important to remember and to be reminded we cannot have life. We cannot have a new year you without him. We can train for the tough mutter as much as we like. But without Jesus, what does life even matter? 
What does a new life with Christ really mean? What does it look like? What does it include? What does it involve? For this message, I'm going to focus on a few lines from this song, but I'm also going to be focusing mainly on Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. We're going to go to a couple, a few other verses, sections of scripture as well, to help illustrate the points. But the song that you just heard is a song by a, a musician by the name of Flame. Now, I know, that sounds a little weird to some of you guys. My name is Flame. Apparently, that's probably not his real name. But then the rapper you saw in there, his name is N.F., which N.F. does stand for a name. I think it's Nate or Nathan. But that's besides the point. The song title was Start Over. And as I said, or as I showed you, I just love the lyrics to this song. And I think it really helps bring together this point of a new life, a blank page, a start over. You have the opportunity to start over. Now, it's easy for us to talk about that as at the beginning of the year or when you first accepted Christ. But what's remarkable about God's love for us is that we can have a start over, a blank page at any time. We just have to repent and go to Jesus, realize that he's the one that life comes from. Ask him for forgiveness from our sins, and he forgives it as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the sea, and it's forgotten forever. You have a blank page to start over. And the first thing you should notice is that the new life with Christ includes a blank page. And that's that next point there. Is the first thing you should notice is that in the new life with Christ, you have a blank page. You have a blank page to start over, to write a new future. And you have a choice. We all have choices, a lot of choices. And I like talking about those choices because I think too often... We're making the wrong choices with our life. We're not looking to the way that God wants us to go. We're looking to the way Satan wants us to go, the way the world wants us to go, the way that's comfortable, the way that's easy. Well, you look to, you look to your old self, and you flip the book back a few pages. You flip to the chapter before you, before the blank page, almost like, you're trying to study the book, and you're trying to study the pages before, the chapters before. And I remember doing that in college. I remember doing that still today. We study the words on the page. But the problem with studying those pages of your old life, the old chapters, is that those are not the pages that we need to study. The old life, the old pages are filled with doom, where you're sentenced to hell. You're doomed to hell for our sins. The new future, the new self, is one which provides hope, which provides life and a future. The old self is full of pain. So why are we going to continue to read this, reliving the past? We must get our pen out. Flip to the blank page, the new page, and start writing on the blank page the future. But don't write your own future. Allow God to write your future. Look to the future that God has planned for you. It's okay to remember the past. It's okay to flip back to the past every once in a while and just remember where you came from. But you should do it in a way which it doesn't start transcribing or writing into your future as well. There's a quote I like. And I believe I've said it before. It's Somebody really likes my song. Um, the song that I really like, the song, the quote that I like is, history is a vast early warning system. And it's bound to repeat itself if you don't remember it. So we do need to remember it, but we don't need it to repeat itself. 
remember it so much that we do not want to relive it. But we must not continue to write it on to our future, into the new book or the new chapters, the blank pages. We need to keep the blank pages blank for God to write into our future. Instead, to find a new life, to find a new you, the new year you, you need to look to God's example of how we must live. And that's where, what we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 32, and many other places as well. But we're going to look to Ephesians 4, 17 to 32 right now as we start to dive into God's way of living instead of our own. So let's go ahead and uh, move forward a few slides there, Nick. Get us centered back up. There we go. Right there. Go back. Oh, that works. That's going to be our next slide there. All right. To find what a new you might look like, we must look to the new life described in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. And just a little bit of background here on the book of Ephesians is the book of Ephesians, Paul was writing to them because they, have gr they had great wealth. They had the wealth of knowing Jesus, knowing Christ, knowing God, and having a relationship with them. But just like us, we take that for granted, and we don't remember what we really have. We don't look to him for how to live. We continue to look to ourselves. We love remembering that we're saved. We love remembering that we're we have a future, but we continue to live as the world instead. So as we start this off, let me open my Bible here to Ephesians 4. 17 to 32, we read this. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their mind. Let's stop there for a moment. So what we see is Paul starts this off pleading with the people, begging the people in a way to not be seeking after the life of the Gentiles, to not be continuing to live according to old ways that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. The futility, the emptiness, the hopelessness, the worthless way of living. He's telling them why they must leave the old behind. And as he continues to talk here, we continue to see him giving us examples. And he's very purposed to give very clear statements on the why we are to leave the old behind. Because he knows that the old just leads to consequences of sin, consequences of destructive destruction. And before you know it, these sins just take over your life. They take over in such a way that you begin to lose track or lose, lose your sense of truth. You're no longer able to tell right from wrong because you're so far into the sin. You're, you're so... in. In, you have so much sin indwelling within you that it's just coming out of you in a way that you don't even realize you're doing wrong. And that's where the people are here today is in this scripture is he's telling them, look to God. Don't look to your old ways because I'm continuing. I'm starting to see a pattern where you no longer realize what you're doing is wrong. Verse right. So as we read on, we read they are darkened in their understanding, alienated alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. You see, we talked about futile. A new life is full of hope, purpose, and meaning. We must focus on the instructions we have here so that we don't live a life which is futile. We don't live a life which is meaningless and without purpose, but we live a life 
which is full of hope, which is full of meaning, which is full of purpose and life. And that's what people in the world are looking for. They're looking for what you have. And that's why the, Paul is talking to the Ephesians in this way, the people of Ephesus in this way, is because they're wealthy beyond belief, but they don't even truly know what they have. They're not living in that way, and I think we do that same thing. We live in a way where we're not showing the world truly what we have. We're not recognizing what we have. We're looking to the world for comfort and strength instead of our God. We're alienated from the life of God. We never want to see that, but Paul was seeing here in, in, in this word, and we see in the world here today as well, that people are alienated from God. And as long as you're living in the past, you're living in a life apart from God. Because God doesn't want us to be living in the past. God wants us to be living in the future. The future life that God has planned for you. So we must move on with our life. Live for God with all we have. A, and live a life for God. A life with God. A new life is one which is connected to God. And that's that next slide. A new life is one which is connected to to God. I want to caution you with this, because I think too many people think in the world today, and people have sold millions of books with this title, that your best life can be today. So a new life is one which is connected to God, but that doesn't mean that you're going to live your best life now. What it means is that you've got God with you on your side, and what we have is the hope by, by focusing on living this new life in Christ, by being connected to God, we're guaranteed that we will have a best life in the future. We have life, eternal life with God, and we can have a best life with Him. A life eternal. If you're living a life which is in the right comparison to Scripture, you'll find yourself not giving in to the impurities of the world either. And that's what we read in verse 19, that they have become callous and have given themselves up to the sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. I want to focus on two things here in this scripture, in this verse. You see, as long as we're here on this version of earth, which is filled with sin, we will continue to be tempted by sin. But I believe the sin isn't the temptation. The sin is acting upon that temptation. And that's what we read here, is that they have become callous and have given themselves up to the sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So again, as we're looking to this scripture with the eyes on, the glasses on about how are we to live this new life, we see that we're not to give in to the temptation. Now, as I say that, I think all of you, or maybe some of you, are thinking about temptations in your life. Now, as many types, Paul gives us just a few direct illustrations here in the word, but there's many temptations, there's many sins, and just as, as sex and, and pornography and um, infidelity can be a sin, drunkenness can be a sin, gluttony can be a sin. There's many different types of sins, and sometimes we only want to think about what we think as the really bad ones, the ones which tear apart your marriage, the ones which tear apart your life. But there's many other sins as well, and a sin is a sin. So we must not give in to the temptations. But what he says here is that they have become callous. Now, I don't know about you, men, you can probably understand. I've got some calluses on my hands, calluses on my feet. 
my wife always says, I've got a thing you can sand those off with. And I think, I'm a man, I'm supposed to have calluses. But we're not supposed to have calluses in this way. You see, a callus has a way of shielding you, and it makes your hands hard. They don't get ripped open as hard, when, as easily when you're working. I know there's some farmers in here that probably have some calluses. But here's the thing. And when we look to the scripture and we look to the background of the words they use in Greek, let me see, I think I wrote it down here. When they're talking about the calluses, when they're talking about being, having a hardened heart, it comes from a Greek word, porosis, or poros, and some definitions of the Bible use the word petrified instead of hardness of heart, which basically comes to say that they have no power to fill at all. It's harder than bone. It's callous. It's calloused over. And what he's talking about is their life is so calloused over from the truth. They have a hardness to the truth that they can't tell right from wrong. You become, you, you become desensitized to right and wrong. Now, the example I use on this is TV shows. And maybe I've shared it before. I don't remember. But a lot of times we have a way of watching TV shows that aren't good for us. They're supporting bad things. They're supporting cheating on their wives. They're supporting the bad. Um, I had a, a youth pastor at one time that he wouldn't watch the Batman series because, and this was the Christian Bale version of Batman, but he said, here's, here's why I don't watch it, because I feel it shows the hero, the good guy, doing bad things and making it look good. But we watch so many of these things, and we don't even notice it anymore. We don't even see it anymore because we're just so used to seeing it in the world. I use this example, too, because I know there was a time several years ago when I would watch the show Big Bang Theory. And maybe some of you watch that today, but I had stopped watching it. And I'd like to say it's because I realized it was, it was very bad. But it's because we got rid of cable. We got busy during the summer. We didn't have a DVR box anymore. Six months later, we got a DVR box back, got cable back, and I turned on the TV or scanning one night, and that was on, so I watched it. And after five minutes, I had turned it off because I realized how filthy it was, their jokes, how dirty it was, and the things it was supportive of. Well, that is the hardness of heart that we have is we're not recognizing those things because we're so deep within it. We're so callous to it. But as we allow God to control our future more and more, and we allow ourselves to be distanced from those things, we're able to then tell the difference between truth and lies, between the things of the world and the things of God, between what we should be taking part in and the things we should be not taking part in. So, find my place again as I got off on a little bit of a ta tangent, rabbit trail, but we will continue to be tempted to sin. And again, I don't believe that the temptation is the sin, but giving ourselves up to the sin, giving ourselves up to the temptation, that's where the sin lies. So we need to be smart. We need to not be hard, hardened to the truth. We need to know what right is and what wrong is so that we, we don't give in to the temptation. We need to be smart enough to know where are our weaknesses, where are our strengths, what temptations naturally tempt us, and how can we avoid those? What steps can we take to be far away from those? If a TV show leads you in a direction you shouldn't go, then you shouldn't watch that TV show. 
There's certain, I, I mentioned I love all types of music, but certain types of music can also kind of help indwell in you this anger, or this, this anxiety, this tenseness. And I know that because even though they have good words, they can just build up anxiety in you. So you need to watch what are you putting into your body. And the problem is when we are given into the sinful temptations, the desires. This is sin. The more we give in, the more we allow the old self to take over, the more we'll find ourselves not just separated further and further from God, but also more blinded to the right and the wrong, and the more in darkness. This means that we just become so used to the evil ways that we don't notice that we're even in the wrong ways or the right ways. Also, what we find is the more we're living according to the wrong ways, the harder it is to get back to God. And it's not that God's not always standing right behind you waiting for you to come back to him, but we're so deep into our own sin, we're so much recognizing there's not a problem with it. This is just how I live. This is my lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with how it is. This is just, this is just how I've always lived. God accepts me for who I am, right? But God does accept you, but he also wants to change you into the likeness of God. So... I did want to go to the next slide here. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. The world is a scary place. It's one which is full of evil. It's full of sinful desires. Satan has a way of making it all look good, too. But don't let your heart be troubled because Jesus has already been victorious over sin. And that's what we, we listen to in that song, is don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid to the brokenhearted that wish that they'd never been born it went on and on, but remind us, Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the weak. Jesus came to give good news and have set the captives free. He has conquered the world for you. The world is full of sinful desires, of temptations, of evil. The world is full of Satan and his armies. The spiritual, the spiritual forces are against us, but we have God who is for us. Look to him for strength. And how to move on. To avoid giving in, look to him for the truth. He can help keep you from giving in, but he can also be the one that comes to save you when you have already given in. So give your life to him. And when you've given yourself into the sin, when you've given yourself into the desires that Satan has given you, you need to still go to him. Don't be afraid to. Don't be so ashamed of your sin that you're trying to hide from God. You can never hide from God. God is still there pleading with you. Come to me. Seek me. I can give you life, the only life. I can give you the waters of life. We must look to him for life. Verse 20 to 21, let's read that here again. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 20 to 21, read, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, and we're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. There's three things we see there. We see that we have learned, we have heard, and we have been taught about Jesus. All of us who are in Christ, new creations, have taken part in these three parts of the transforming act of salvation. We have learned about him, we have, learned, we have heard about him, and we're taught about him. But in doing that, we also... We also learned, we heard, and we're taught about life. We learned, we heard, we, taught, we were taught about truth. As long as we accepted him, 
as our Savior. We have learned truth through hearing the gospel and being taught the one and only way to life, Jesus. And that's that next slide there. We have learned truth through hearing the gospel and being taught the one and only way to life, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus and him alone, we find life, new life. So we must put off the old self, throw it away. Why do we continue to go back to the old life, the old self, like a dog that goes back to its own vomit? Is it because we think that it's good for us? That we think that's the right way to live? Or that it's better than God and his ways? Or is it because we're just so blinded to the truth and darkened because of how we're living that we're not realizing what we're doing is wrong? In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, we read this. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. It's kind of convicting, isn't it? When you look to your life and you think about how you're living, what you're doing, how are you treating the people around you, how are you forgiving the people around you, how are you encouraging the people around you, or maybe you're not, but it tells us, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from which fills his heart. So if you're not speaking what is good, then what's filling your heart? Is God the one filling your heart, or is Satan filling your heart? Is the old life the one filling your life, or is the new life filling your life? So the next point there is the new life must be one which is in a continual state of learning. The new life must be one which is in a continual state of learning. And that's where we see verse 22 and 23, which tells us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I'll read the next one. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So how do we renew ourselves? How do we renew this new self? To allow the new to come into your life. How do you do this? I think it comes by watching what you're putting into your minds, your hearts, and your souls. In Philippians 4.8 we read, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of, of praise, dwell on these things. What things in life are you dwelling on? Are you dwelling on the good things that God has given to you? Are you dwelling on him or are you dwelling on the things that Satan wants you to dwell on so you forget about him, so you forget about truth? Romans 13, 14 tells us, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be desensitized to the world any longer by continuing to allow the filth into your life. Allowing the filth to control your life and allowing Satan to grasp onto your life and to control your life. Instead, we must allow God to control you by putting what is good into your body, into your mind, into your soul. I've been challenged lately, and a lot of us have been challenged lately by a man in this church, and it's biblical, it's in God's word, but we need to read God's word more. 
Read the Bible more. Pray more. Let go more. Let go. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. We must let go of our old self as we grasp onto the new self. We grasp onto the strength that God has given us. The power and love and discipline that the Spirit gives us. Grasp onto the new self so that you might continue to seek life and not death, not the ways of the world. Are you listening to him? The new life must be one which is purposed to hear God's word. And that's that next slide there. A new life must be one which is purposed to hear God's will. Are you listening to him? Are you hearing him? Are you looking to what God wants you to do, or are you just looking for what you want to do? A new life is looking to live how God wants, how God wants you to. Looking to live in the likeness of God. The likeness of God. What does your life look like? Does your life look like the likeness of God? You're not trying to make excuses. You don't try and blend the two ways of living together into one way of living. But you live the new life and only the new life. Too often we try and blend the two. Well, I, I really like watching these movies. I really like listening to this music. I really like hanging out with this crowd. I really like getting drunk every once in a while with my buddies. It's just fun. Now, that's just one example. There's many examples. I'm not trying to nitpick on one, but what are you doing that's mixing the two, the old self and the new self? Because when we're told to be living the new life, we're not talking about a partial new life, just a little bit. We're talking totally throw the old life away. Live the new life, and the new life only. And in verse 24, we read, In true righteousness and holiness. Verse 24, And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You see, as you put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, God doesn't have any of those old sinful desires. We're told to be the likeness of God, not a partial self, but a true self, a righteous, a holy self. We love one another, not just in the way the world has taught us to or how we would want to be treated, but in the way God treats us, in the likeness of him. The new life acts in a way which treats all with the moral laws of God. Now, the moral laws of God, we can look at many laws in the Bible of what he commands us to do, how he commands us to live, but what I'm talking about is the Ten Commandments. And then specifically the greatest commandments. The, the greatest commandments mentioned in Matthew. The new life acts also in a way which is fully respectful to God, the holiness of God, and his word and law. And as we totally respect his holiness, his power, we also respect those people around us. We show them the same, the same things that God shows us. The new life should be a perfect representation of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus and the greatest commandments found in Matthew. Will we read the next slide here so you can see it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is a great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The new life, the new self, should be one which is filled with this. Filled with loving God above anything else. And as you love God above anything else, you're making the choices for your life that he would want you to make, that he tells you to make. As you're making the choices that he's telling you to make, you're living as he tells you to live, 
you're writing a new blank page. You're starting over. You're starting fresh. You're not turning back to those previous pages anymore. You're not looking to the ways of the world, but you're looking to the ways of God. So what does your life look like now? Does your life look like this? Does your life look like what we're told to live in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32? Does it look like the ways that the Ten Commandments tell us how to live? Or the many other ways of the Bible? Does it look like Christ? Does it look like a new life? We are all going to have struggles. We're all going to have to fight at times. We must remember what we're fighting for and who are we fighting with. But let's read once more just the, the last part of that scripture. Verse 25 to 32. As we compare our life to this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Are you speaking the truth with your neighbor? Because the branches are all connected. And if we're not speaking the truth, then we're not truly connected. Are you speaking the truth with his neighbor? For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know what, what I get out of that? And maybe you've picked it up as well. Be angry and do not sin. So it's okay to be angry. I think sometimes we, we, we beat ourselves down too much because I shouldn't be angry about this or I should be angry about that. We, we're just at a point of confusion. We don't know what we should be doing. But it is okay to be angry. But what it says is be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Is your anger a selfish anger or is it a selfless anger? Now, this is a whole other sermon in itself, but let me point this out. Without anger, there would still be slavery. Without anger, there would still be uh, child labor. Without anger, there would still be war. Uh, the Nazi Germany would probably still be, Hitler would, would have still been rolling over us. It takes anger to take action and to go against something. But is your anger selfish and looking after your own things that you want, or is it selfless and going after what's right? Give no opportunity to the devil. As long as you're making any part of sin in your life or letting that anger dwell within you and be selfish, you're allowing the devil an opportunity to squeeze in and start separating you from God, starting to take away the truth and darken your mind so that you can't tell even that you're starting to separate from him. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. Very important to read all the way through. And that very last statement, as God in Christ forgave you. That's how far we're to forgive people. That we totally forget everything. That we sacrifice ourselves for them. And that's how far we should go to do all of this to our neighbor and to God. 
is to sacrifice ourselves continually each and every single, single day. A new you is, and I believe this is my last slide here, a new you is, a you which does not fight alone, does not fight for yourself, but with God and for God, for his future. Nick, if you could move on to that last slide there. A new you is you which does not fight alone, does not fight for yourself, but with God and for God, for his future. As I continue to look to examples this week, and to wrap up this week with stories of a new life, it got me thinking about our new life, your new life, your story, your testimony that each and every single one of you have. And I asked a few people, I quizzed them, can you just share your story with me, your testimony? How did you come to new, know Christ? And what has your life been like since? And what I found is that as they would share their story with me, with the group, they were, they were just filled with great joy because they're reminded of all Christ has done for them in their life since. For some, it was alcoholic tendencies before Christ and how God has saved him for, from that. For others, it was other stuff, but they were reminded and they were filled with joy as they truly realized the new life that they have in God. Sometimes we need a reminder ourselves of what the new life truly is. And as I begin to wrap up, I just want to bring your attention to, I'm not going to read it due to time, but Acts 9, 1-19. We read the story of Saul's conversion. Paul's conversion. And as you gain this new life in Christ, you have a blank piece of paper in front of you. Read the story of Saul's conversion. And what I want you to notice is that he falls on his knees at the presence of Jesus. You have the opportunity to start over. Jesus gives you the op these opportunities at all times. It's a new year, and you may find a new you, but you do not only get this chance once. And that's the great thing is God loves you so much that he never gives up on you. Since the beginning of creation, he restores the relationship with you. He wants to accept you, but you need to accept him. Now, maybe today you're thinking, I've done too many wrong things. I've gone too far. Just last night I did this or that. I can't go back to God. God is waiting for you. Go back to him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't truly know what I'm talking about. Talk to somebody. Talk to God. Allow him to give you the truth, to lighten your path and remove the darkness that's shielding you from him. Repent of your sins and allow the new life to take over. A new life which is filled with the overflowing love of Jesus. Follow him. And just as you see in the story of Saul's conversion, fall to your knees. Recognize the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Give your life to him. Bow down to him. And then rise. Rise and live the new life. A new life which says, here I am, Lord. Allow God to use you for his future plan. Here I am, Lord. Don't be blinded any longer but see truth and live truth. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, and then we'll pray, is this. Well, 13, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Your new life should be one which is continuing, continuing to seek him. Are you seeking him with all of your heart? Or are you seeking him just when you need something? Seek him. Seek God today. And for the rest of your life, and you will find him. And you'll find the future life that he has planned for you. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you for giving us new life. 
and giving us this future, this hope that we can continue to live for. We no longer have to be darkened in our understanding, but we can look for truth, and we can live according to the truth that you give us. Thank you for giving your word and allowing us to see what we need to avoid in our life, how we should live. We pray now as we continue to live that we glorify you in all things. Amen. Mm -hmm.